0: See prayer is an act of submission. Prayer is an act of setting aside our agenda and our will and our wants and our needs. It's a setting aside of all the things we think we know. It says, "God, your kingdom come. Your will be done." Submission is an incredibly painful posture, because it makes us vulnerable feel like we are weak and we have lost control. When we pray we come before God who loves us, who can do all things. and We're invited to let go of every illusion of control.
1: You and I can't but he can. Hi this is Chris from the point a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m., We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Once again, good morning. There are several of of
0: you whom I do not yet know or haven't seen in a while, so for those of you who don't know, my name is Adam. I'm the pastor here. For those of you who do know, my name is still Adam, and I'm still the pastor here, okay? (laughs) Here at The Point, we exist to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus. Really simply what that looks like, I think we can grasp the first half. To connect the disconnected means that we do not exist to be a closed private community where others who are not like us or good enough don't belong. We don't exist for our own sake and what feels good to us. We exist for the sake of those who feel lost and confused and hurting those who are unsure about God and have all sorts of questions those who feel like they're not welcomed or they don't belong in God's presence or in his family we exist for those people that every one of us in our time of feeling disconnected can through this community and this church body draw near to God but not so that we can have more people in our pews, because that's not the goal. And it's not so that we can have bigger budgets. That's certainly not the goal. No, the reason we want to connect the disconnected is so that all who are lost and hurting and confused as they draw near to Jesus can grow in their faith can grow in their understanding of how much God loves them and cares about them. And as they grow, they learn that it's not just about God rescuing them, but God coming into their life to rescue others through them, to draw other people in, in this self-perpetuating process where he uses sinners like you and me to go and tell other sinners where we can find grace and forgiveness, and hope, and life everlasting. That's not just eventually when we die, but life everlasting that starts now. As a church, one of the things we believe is that this growing and reproducing process with Jesus is an ongoing practice of our lifestyle. You see, your salvation, your uh, status before God has nothing to do with you but your understanding and experience of the life he wants to pour out. That's where the things you do day in and day out can shape and form you into a whole new person. That you can safely come as you are into his grace and by that grace be transformed to become who you were made to be. So much more. And this process of walking with God In the Bible, called discipleship, or another word for that is apprenticeship, learning from Him. This process involves habits and practices that we can do every day in different measures that are invitational. These invitational practices are not required to be Christian, but they will help you experience God's goodness more and more. And these practices center around three things learning to be with Jesus. See, the only way we connect to him is if we spend time with him. And some of that looks like here on Sunday morning, and some of that looks like what do you do when you get out of bed in the morning, and you're getting ready for work, and you don't want to go, and you're mad at your children or whomever else, and you have all these other things. How in that moment do you learn to be with Jesus? Because the truth is, the more that we're with him, the more we begin to become like him. And as we become like him, our heart is softened for the jerk who cuts us off in traffic, because we know Jesus loves them too. And our heart is softened for the sinner whose sin looks nothing like mine, and we wonder how could they live like that? And we realize that my sin is even greater than theirs. And as we spend time with Jesus, we become like him and learning to love others as he has loved us. And then comes the really fun part. We get to start doing the things Jesus did. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus today in this world for a people who don't yet know just how great he is. We get to leave these seats and go into the streets all around us and love people in a radical way. That through us, hopefully all of Knoxville comes to know Jesus. All of Tennessee comes to walk with Jesus. All of this, this country or this world comes to see a God who is good and who is faithful. Today we kick off a new practice that I want to invite you to join me in. The reason we call this a practice is because it's something you will not perfect and you need to grow in. Practice is a stretching opportunity, something to do new or differently, to get better at something you previously were not very good at. I like the analogy of going to the gym. If you were to try to bench press your body weight, having never practiced bench press before, you're going to get seriously hurt. So don't try this practice. Just practice it. Start small, wherever you are, whatever that looks like right here and right now. Do something little that you can grow in the ability to do something more later. There's no shame in where you are, and there's no shame in where you've been, but there's a whole lot of hope in where you're headed. As we begin this new practice of prayer, we're going to begin with Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6. If you'd like to follow along in the blue Bibles in the pews in front of you, or if you're upstairs along the sides and the walls there, we have some Bibles you can borrow. It'll be on page 1012. If you brought your own Bible or you use your phone, I don't know what page it's on. Um, thankfully, phones don't have pages, so you can figure it out pretty easily. All right? Matthew chapter 6. If you're not familiar with this text, Jesus is in the middle of his first large recorded sermon. In Matthew he's preaching about what life in his kingdom looks like how do we live as his followers every day and he says some really uncomfortable things like he talks about anger and says if any of you hate your brother you have committed murder against them he talks about lust if you've ever looked lustfully at somebody you have committed adultery talks about divorce And the pain of separating what God has brought together. Jesus doesn't pull punches in this sermon. He lays down a picture of what life with him could look like. That is really, really far from the life we all have on a daily basis. But he says, this is what could be yours with me. And then he gets into chapter 6 where he begins to talk about very practical things. Things like giving money or prayer or fasting, ways that we can learn to be more like Jesus. This is what he says about prayer. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, some like to use this verse as a way to say any sort of public prayer is sin and wrong. And let me just encourage you that's not true. You can pray publicly, but the hypocrites he's referring to, are those who believe that if others see them praying, they will look at them and go, wow, I want to be just like that person. Look at how great they are and the things they pray. Look at how articulate they are and how faithful and holy they are. I want to be like them. And Jesus, right off the bat, he says, look, prayer is not about what other people think about you. If you want to learn to practice prayer It begins with recognizing it has nothing to do with you and other people and how holy you or they think you are. There's also something Jesus says here that's easy to gloss over. When you pray, do it like this. He doesn't say if you pray or if prayer is your last resort or if you have no other option, then I guess you could pray like this. See, for Jesus, there is an understanding that prayer is a regular part of every person who's following God. Our life is filled with prayer in the same way that our breath is filled with oxygen. Without it, we will suffer, and life will get really difficult really quick. When you pray, don't do it so that it's between you and others, but do it so that it's between you and God. Then he continues... And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. See, there's a temptation when we pray to think that if only I just keep talking long enough, eventually God will hear me. Sometimes when we pray... We just think we have to keep asking for the same thing on repeat in such a way that we forget what we're even asking. Did you know that in the Muslim world, every single time they get together to pray, they always pray the same exact prayer before they begin their prayers and when they end their prayers? And that prayer is, there is no God but Allah, Allah alone is God? And they pray that every single time they pray because for them, they only once have to say it correctly and truly mean it in order for God to forgive them. We as Christians don't believe that's the way prayer works. We don't believe that God only listens to our prayers if we get it just right and say it perfectly. If we have the right heart and the right motive, even if our motives are impure and wrong, God is still a good Father who hears our prayers and knows what we need even before we ask. And I will warn you, when you pray, there are times when God's answer is no. God never doesn't answer. He will always answer, but sometimes His answer is no. And I know for many of us, that's not the answer we want to hear. Jesus, he warns against attempting to conjure up God with the right words and the right attitude and conjure up a move of the Spirit to do the things we want if only we pray correctly. He says that's not what this is about. It's not about how others perceive you. It's not about getting God to do your bidding and to change his mind for your sake. That's not what prayer is. So when you pray For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Maybe you've heard this prayer before. In fact, we pray it often on Sunday mornings. It's called the Lord's Prayer for really simple reasons because Jesus, our Lord, gave it to us. Profound, right? The Lord's Prayer, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven. The simplicity of this prayer is where I want us to begin as we learn to journey together in practicing prayer. Jesus doesn't approach God with all these fanciful titles And all the attributes of his goodness and things he thinks God needs to be reminded of. He begins really simply. Our Father. Now throughout the Old Testament, God is occasionally referred to as Father. But in the instances where God is referred to as Father in the Old Testament... It's in relation to how we understand Him. Specifically, as a son, I have certain obligations to my Father. I should honor my Father, Scripture says. I should listen and I should obey and I should respect. And so when Father is used in the Old Testament to describe God, it is used to describe our relationship to Him. But as we see from other things Jesus says, I believe when he begins his prayer with our Father, he's inviting us actually to flip that around, not to perceive how we need to honor God, but to see just how much God has honored us and loves us. That in our sin, while we were still sinful, Christ came to die for us. Like the prodigal son, that story Jesus tells, it's actually about the prodigal father, the one who goes running after his long lost son, chasing him down to celebrate that he's home. Our father. See, sometimes when we pray, it's really easy to forget that prayer is about a relationship with a God who deeply loves you. And when we have earthly fathers who are really good, to understand God as our Father makes sense. But when our earthly fathers let us down and disappoint us, or even worse, hurt us or abuse us or neglect us or abandon us, sometimes to approach God as our Father feels like He's distant and far For many of us, we often think in our own woundedness that God is angry and against us and He's waiting to catch us doing something wrong. Like you guys probably heard growing up, just wait until your father comes home. And you knew it wasn't going to be good because your mom would have the whole day to stew about just what she needed to tell your dad so that you could get in all the trouble she was not willing to give you herself. Some of us, hear Father and think this angry and vindictive God. But throughout this narrative of the New Testament, you and I have been adopted and chosen as sons. This imagery of Father is an invitation to us that when we pray, we recognize God is not angry with us. He's not waiting to smite us or prove to us just how bad we were. Like a loving father with his arms spread wide, he's inviting us, come to me. I'll make it better. I'll heal your wounds. I'll bind up your broken hearts. I will be good to you and for you. When we pray, it begins with the reality that God is not against us, but for us. When we pray, it begins with the reality that we are children of God. Not because we've stopped sinning. Not because we've fixed our mess. Not because we have all the answers and know all the scripture. No, we are children of God because he calls us his Through His Son and the life that His Son gave, we are forevermore adopted into His family. In baptism, we're joined in His very name, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And nothing ever can separate us from this. When we pray, we see that we are not alone in this hard and difficult world. But we have a God who loves us. And then it continues, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, another word for holy. Holy is your name, God. To be holy is to be set apart and different than anything else. See, the name of God is not like any other name that we can casually throw out, and it has no power or meaning. The name of God is so much different. Holy is your name. See, when we pray, it starts with the reality of who God is. That he is good to you and to me. But then it continues with the reality of what God does. I mean, think about the God we're praying to. When we say, holy is your name, we are praying to the God we believe is the creator of the whole universe. The God that we believe with his word spun the earth into motion and set the moon revolving around the earth and the earth revolving around the sun alongside seven other planets. And I'm sorry, Pluto, no longer you. And the God who then spun everything in this solar system into our galaxy and it's all revolving at a speed we can't even feel or fathom or understand. The God who's so powerful, he can do all of that. And the God who's so personal. That when you look out at the horizon, he painted a picture of billions of leaves you'll never see. And the intimate detail of every one of those leaves he knows. And the smallest of insects on those leaves and the atoms that make them up. And you and I will never see the magnitude of this God who pays attention to every detail. When we pray, hallowed be thy name. We are recognizing that the God who invites us to come as children is all-powerful and beyond comprehension. We are invited into a sense of awe and wonder. I was listening to the news the other day, and there was an interview that really struck me. The interview was with a secular uh, psychologist who was explaining the phenomenon of awe and wonder. As a non-Christian who did not believe in God, they were describing that every one of us would find physically healthier lives if we experienced more awe in the world around us. Not only would we find physically healthier lives, we would have emotionally fulfilling relationships if we just stopped throughout our day to be filled with awe and wonder. And as the interview went on and on, I could not help but laugh at the irony of somebody who believes there is no God saying we really desperately need a God to make our lives healthier. We need awe and wonder to see that God's not just for us, but he's with us, and he can do whatever he has promised to do. So when we pray, we come before him and acknowledge who he is and what he's capable of doing. And then comes this. Your kingdom come, your will be done. See, prayer is an act of submission. Prayer is an act of setting aside our agenda and our will and our wants and our needs. It's a setting aside of all the things we think we know. It says, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Submission is an incredibly painful posture because it makes us vulnerable, makes us feel like we are weak, that we have lost control. When we pray, we come before God who loves us, who can do all things. And we're invited to let go of every illusion of control. You and I can't, but He can. It's only after that posture and prayer that we begin to ask God for our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Provide whatever I may need that I don't even yet know I need. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. God, I can't forgive, but you can. So forgive me that I may forgive others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we pray, we come before this God. Now I have to confess, knowing all of this to be true is not the same as believing it or feeling it or experiencing it when we pray. I I like to joke that I used to pray a lot more. You see, before I met Laura and she put me on a really good and healthy budget, I prayed every single time I went to the gas pump, God, let there be money here today. Because in my irresponsibility, I had no idea if there was or wasn't. But my prayer was always self-centered and selfish on me and my immediate things. And it was never simply about God and his goodness and his protection and his power. We are invited to pray to God all the time. And I have to confess also that sometimes... Prayer is really, really boring. Have you ever tried to pray for like three minutes at a time? And a minute and a half in, you're thinking about what you'd like to eat for breakfast or where you want to go later in the day or the things you need to get done and your mind is all over the place and you don't even know how to focus for just long enough and then you feel guilty. You're like, forgive me, God, that I can't even pray for three minutes. But you know all that work I need to get done later today? I forgot about that. I should write a note so I don't forget. And your mind just keeps wandering Or is that just me? See, if we are not in the habit and the practice of prayer, it feels like we're just talking to the empty air. It can feel like our prayers are just hollow words, saying, okay, I'm just gonna throw this out there and maybe my goodwill or my wishes will make these things come true. It feels like there's nothing that will change from it. And so as we learn to practice prayer, There's something you and I, every one of us can do that will help us push past that uncomfortable, awkward, what is happening here into something more significant. You want to know the secret? Just pray. That's it. When you do it, it will become easier. And oftentimes we think that our prayer has to be super deep and profound and emotional, filled with all the things I need to confess and all the things I long for the world around me. And it has to be heartfelt and moving. And so we show up to prayer with minds that are clouded and foggy and no words on our lips. And we just kind of mumble our way through something in the hopes that it's good enough. But did you know that when you pray to God and as you're learning to pray you could pray a pre-written prayer and it's still just as valuable? I mean, picture this. Anybody in here married? Or ever, you once were married? Did you ever stand in a place like this in front of a pastor, in front of your friends, and you're nicely dressed, and you turn to your bride and you're like, and now I'm going to make up my vow on the spot so that it's meaningful? If you did, I'm sure it did not go well. See, there's a truth that when we're in that moment and the emotions and the heightened experience of all that's around us, words don't flow off our tongues very easily. And so we just kind of blubber and stumble and fumble our way forward sometimes. But on that wedding day, many of you probably did one of two things. You wrote your own vows in advance on note cards that were super sweaty and partially smeared, but you could still tell what they said. Or... You took a pre-written vow. Will you have this woman to be your wife? You took a vow that somebody else wrote that conveyed what you felt and what you desired and you confessed that vow because it was still beautiful and true, even if they weren't your original words. When we are learning to pray, it is good and wonderful To use a prayer somebody else wrote to help organize your thoughts and collect your attention. There's also other times, not just when we're learning to pray, that this can be super helpful. Anybody ever had a week where you just were spent and had nothing left in your tank and it was only Monday? When you're just emotionally exhausted and worn out from the weight of everything going on around you and the burden set before you and you just don't even know where do I start? See, a pre-written prayer can give you a starting place when you are at a loss yourself. A pre-written prayer can give you a place to begin and maybe from there it's a launching point and not your final resting place. Maybe when you're sick or your kids are sick and you're running on fumes, a pre-written prayer helps you to spend time with Jesus even when your heart's not in it. That's still good for you. It's a couple different pre-written prayers that I would encourage you to begin praying. And maybe even this week as you start practicing prayer new, you commit to saying, I'm going to pray this every day and see what happens. The first pre-written prayer that I'll encourage you to use is the Lord's Prayer. I mean, Jesus himself gave it to us to pray, so what could be wrong about praying it back to him? And maybe initially when you start, you just run through it, and you say it, and then that's that. Maybe by day two or three, or even if you're bold on day one, you pause for a little bit as you pray this prayer. Our Father. God, what does it mean that you're our Father? Our Father who is in heaven. Do I recognize what that means that you are in heaven? Holy is your name. God, how do I make your name holy? Fill me with awe and wonder. And you can begin to pause in a pre-written prayer and to experience God in your everyday life. So there's the Lord's Prayer as a simple place to begin. There's also the Psalms. I believe I put that next. No, I put scripture next. There it is. Thanks, Aaron. That pause reminded me. I was out of order. Did you know that this whole book can be a prayer unto God. Like, you can literally open any passage up and start reading it back to God. And if you're like, well, some of these passages are really confusing. Yes, they are. So why not take them to the God who understands them and say, God, when you said he drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver, it's in Lamentations 3, by the way, I just randomly flipped there. Like, what does that even mean? Hmm, you can begin to pray it back to God. God, sometimes I feel like my enemies are all against me and I'm being destroyed. Can you help me in this time of need? You can pray the promises he speaks in his word and say, God, today I need this promise to be made real for me. In addition to praying scripture, you can pray the Psalms. Literally, it's a book of prayers offered up to God. God. Historically, the church has used these psalms in regular rhythms of prayer to come back to God with his words and say, this is how I'm feeling today. There are psalms of celebration and psalms of of mourning and there are psalms of thanksgiving and psalms of praise, all kinds of different emotions. So if you're not sure how to pray, maybe pray what has been prayed for thousands of years where God has answered time and time again throughout all of history, God has been faithful in these prayers. Now after this, we get into a different level or style of prayer that for some may be really uncomfortable, and for others, you may love it. Another way that you could pray in your habit of praying pre-written prayers this week? Sing. Did you know that songs can be prayers? There's a reason why songs have a power to completely change our attitude, All right? So many of you might know this song. If I simply said the lyrics of a simple song, I don't want to be a chicken, what comes next? I don't want to be a duck, so you do what? Come on, you guys know this. Never You've never heard the song? YouTube it, you'll laugh. Because there's a whole dance that goes with it. It's really silly, right? Little simple songs can change how we think and feel. Now, I hope your prayer is not that you don't want to be a chicken. I promise you it's never going to happen. You're not going to become a chicken, okay? But what if you took songs of praise, hymns declaring the awe and wonder, songs declaring all that God has done? What if you took these songs and you made a habit of singing them regularly? It will change your day. I promise. What many of you may not know about me is my voice is not the most lovely of voices, but I often walk around the house making up songs. Like I'm making some toast today, spreading the butter this way and that way, and you're like stupid stuff. But it brings you joy. If you don't know where to start with prayer, Find some songs that are centered in Jesus and just sing them. And if you're afraid you're going to sound terrible, sing in the shower. You always sound better that way. Or sing in the car. There's nobody around to hear it, okay? It's okay. So you can practice prayer by creating a habit of singing things that center you in Jesus. And then there's one that's really uncomfortable for some. Liturgy. It's a fancy word that literally means rhythm. There are rhythms of prayer that for thousands of years Christians have used to help center their focus on God. Rhythms of prayer written by monks who devoted their whole life to prayer. Rhythms of prayer written by parents who had no idea how to pray when their kids are running all over the place. Rhythms of prayer that we can come back to in our time of need to say, help me learn something about prayer there's a handful of these liturgies and rhythms and things available on our website thepointknocks.com along with a bunch of other materials in this practice as we go forward ways that you can grow in prayer this week finally this last way that you can practice prayer through prayers other people have prayed we live in a day and age with apps anybody like to go for a walk around your neighborhood put on an app, like one of my favorites is by the Jesuits, it's called Pray As You Go. And it's like 10 or 12 minutes with a little bit of music and a little bit of scripture and then a little bit of prayer. And I find myself as I'm walking through the neighborhood and I'm praying these prayers that somebody else has already prayed, I find myself thinking all kinds of deep thoughts I didn't know I could think. And questioning all sorts of things. And when I'm frustrated, calming down. And when I'm irritated at the sin of others, being reminded of my own sin as well. Practicing pre-written prayers is a wonderful place to start. Because we begin to create a habit of being with Jesus and talking to, to Him. And in that habit, He will always, always faithfully show up and do in you and through you and for you what you didn't yet even know you needed it's my hope that this week you'll join us in practicing prayer maybe in a new way don't start like you're aiming for the moon start really small if you're not in the habit of praying at all maybe you commit to three days this week just praying the lord's prayer If you already pray on a regular basis, maybe you commit this week to praying for 10 minutes a day or 20 or 30. Maybe you just commit to one time this week coming before Jesus saying, I don't know how to do this, but I want to start somewhere. Wherever you start, I promise is not where you will end. Stick with it. God will meet you in that prayer. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this invitation. That when we pray, we do not need to heap up empty words and the hopes that you hear us. When we pray, we do not need to see how other people see us as our defining characteristic. We don't need the approval and the praise of others. We have it from you. You have made us righteous. Forgive us for the times when we have not prayed. And teach us this week to pray that we might learn to be with you each day and every need. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue in worship, we continue by collecting an offering. Uh, Perhaps if you were here last week, you may remember I mentioned this big blue jug over here. And I see some of you did remember uh, over the course of the month of February, we're going to attempt to fill this jug with all the loose change you have uh, at home, the stuff in your couches, the stuff in your your sock drawer, the stuff that you have like in your car, whatever loose change you have, we would like to try to fill this jug, which we'll then take back to the empty cup, a coffee shop here in town that gives 100% of the profits away to supporting foster parents and adoption grants. And so if you would like to help us make a difference in the life of a family that's pouring into uh, children in need, uh, if you don't have any today, you could bring some next week. It'll be here all month. Bring your change. We'll fill that up, and then we'll give it away to bless others. If you're somebody who prefers to give and you'd like to give to the point, however, when we give, we give as an act of worship to say, God, I'm trusting you with my finances, that you are the one who provides, and I want what you give me to be used to connect with people who don't yet know you. And so you can give with cash or check today if that's how you prefer to give. In the boxes on the walls as you exit, there'll be a place back there you can drop your gift. If you filled out one of those physical connect cards that's in front of you with a way we can be praying with you or something that's going on in your life you'd like us to talk with you about, you can place those connect cards in those boxes as well. If you're somebody who prefers to do everything electronically, you can give online at thepointknocks.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom right corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Now every week you guys uh, text some questions and I do my best to respond. Uh, Steve, what's the first question that came in today? (laughs)
2: It says, what does it mean when it says, he put his hand under Abraham's thigh? Is this a custom? It's a
0: great question. I don't know. Uh, So when questions come in that I don't know, I'll dive into it a little bit deeper and uh, I'll share something on social media later this week, probably our Facebook page, um, attempting with point leftovers, so dive in a little deeper. I don't know, that's a great question. It is kind of weird.
2: Okay. Uh, Not the
0: question, the action.
2: Yeah. Um, The next question, do you think that God's silence to prayer is an answer to?
0: Sometimes. Sometimes it can be. God's timing is not our timing, and sometimes His silence is Him inviting us to wait on Him and trust in Him. And sometimes His silence is that we have so much other noise in our life, we simply can't hear what answer He's giving. Um, so sometimes silence is a good thing. In fact, one of the practices you can find on our website is the practice of silence and solitude. Purposefully sitting in silence with God to create space to hear the things maybe you've been missing from Him for a while.
2: Okay, the next one. When God says no, it's easy to be angry or disappointed. But what's an appropriate reaction as you move as you move forward in your relationship with Him?
0: I say no to my kids all the time. And they get angry with me plenty of the time. So I remind them that I love them even when I say no. And I remind them that no doesn't mean no forever. It means no right now. And so when God says no, uh, it can be really tempting to be mad at Him and angry at Him. And maybe there's more to the picture we don't know. Like the fact you haven't won the lottery yet is it actually ruins most people's lives. And God's like, hold on, I have something better for you than that. Trust me. So perhaps his no is he has something better and perhaps his no is he's just saying not yet. Uh, How do we move forward to not be angry with him? Um, We have to trust in who he is, that he really is good and that he is more powerful than we are and that he knows more than we know And that his no for some reason is good even when we don't like it. In the same way that my daughter this morning at 5.30 in the morning heard no when she asked to eat my candy that I brought home last night. She did not need it at 5.30 in the morning, maybe later.
2: All right. Okay. What does he pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver mean?
0: Again, that's a great question. If you go and read
2: Lamentations
0: 3, perhaps the surrounding context will help a little more because the best way to interpret Scripture is with Scripture. Um, I haven't read the surrounding context, so I'll add that to the point leftovers. I don't know.
2: Okay. This is a good one, I think. How can the Father love, honor me by allowing so much hurt, loss, anger in my life? How can that be good for me?
0: As volunteers every Sunday before we open up the doors and and welcome everybody in, we gather for a devotion, and this morning we spent time in Daniel chapter 3. It's a story of three friends who love Jesus wholly, and they're devoted to God in such a way that the religious leader over them gets mad and threatens if they don't bow down and worship him, he will throw them in the fire. And they look at him and just say okay and they get thrown into a fire bound and tied up and miraculously God rescues them and as volunteers we were talking through the reality that for most of us when we're faced with all kinds of hardship and sorrow and suffering our emotions kick in that we respond in fear or anger or brokenness And yet God invites us to respond to trust that even in our suffering and our hardship, which is not a result of an angry and a cruel God, but a result of a broken and sinful world which God is actively restoring and one day will make all things new and will never again have that pain. Between here and there, when suffering happens, we can either run from God and blame Him or lean into Him and say, I can't fix this. So, I'll trust that one day you will. That's our response.
2: OK, and I believe this is the last question. It says, "What? Why is yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever Amen." portion of the Lord's Prayer, included at the end of the NKJV but New, not New
0: King James version. If you know. but not
2: the ESV
0: because it's not originally there in Greek. So what happened is, over time, Christians are like, we're really uncomfortable ending our prayer with deliver us from evil. Like maybe there should be something more than evil as the final thought when we finish our prayer. And so Christians over time said, well, we know that everything is God, so yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. That's like ending our prayer on a positive note, not a negative, right? And so that was added over time in history but it wasn't in the Greek that was originally in the text. So in the King James Version, they added it because history does shape how we see Scripture quite a bit. And they said, well, it fits here. There's nothing non-biblical or scriptural about it. Let's put it here. And the ESV said, you can say it, you can pray it, but we're not going to put it in this translation. That's the
2: simple answer. Hope that helps. I hope so too. I think that was the last question. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you for those questions. I'm going to respond later this week to those two. One about Lamentations 3 that I probably should not have read because now I'm on the spot to figure it out. And, uh, and the other one was uh, about the God putting his hand on Abraham's thigh. Um, we'll see if Facebook lets me post that answer. I don't know. But I'll respond later in the week with both of those. As you go this week, go with this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He look upon you with favor and give you His peace. Amen. Amen.
1: Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointnoxcom forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.